Hello and welcome to the Entrepreneurial Journey podcast brought to you by Tricress. We are on a mission to make it happen for every ambitious SME on the planet and we're doing that by delivering you fantastic tried and tested business coaching and consulting through our app called Fuel My Business. We're also doing that through a network of talented and highly experienced Tricrest partners who are on the ground business coaches and consultants. But for today, you're going to hear from real life entrepreneurs and business owners who are on all kinds of journeys, the beginning, the middle and the end. We want you to learn from this and know that you are not alone. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Entrepreneurial Journey podcast. Today we have Jenny Johnston with us, who is the former CEO and founder of the Stanford Group. Hi Jenny, you're calling here f- uh, on the call today from Switzerland, is that right? That's right, Basel, Switzerland, I am. Wonderful, one very of our many international guests. Yes. So Jenny, you're very welcome to the podcast. And we're here to find out today how you founded, grew, and then exited the Stanford Group. So how did it all begin? Ah, what a story. Well, first it took moving to Switzerland from the US, because obviously I don't sound Swiss, I'm not Swiss. Um, And it started really, I, I came to Switzerland not speaking the language at the time. And I was a sales director in retail in the US and loved it. Um, but that was something I couldn't do here. So I started to hear about this business called recruitment. And I actually had never heard about it in the US. We didn't actually work with them. And I started working for um, an English company actually in Zurich and realized that I loved it. I was good at it. Um, It utilized all my strengths and I really enjoyed supporting our customers. I worked there for a year and they asked me to take over, but I wasn't aligned with their values. And for me, that was incredibly important. And I just thought I can't stand behind this business, but I knew I loved the business. Then I looked around and I was looking at companies that I could work for. And I thought, I don't actually want to work for any of you, to be honest. And then I also saw, and and I did start with a partner at the time, and we both saw that there was a gap in the market. And that was to work with international clients, but offer a much more customer centric and tailored approach than some of the bigger agencies were offering here. Um, You either had the very smaller ones that were dealing with SMEs or you had the big internationals. So we just kind of put together whatever money we could and we got started and decided to go in all in. And so went after the big customers right away. And and that's how it started in 2001. So I had one year of recruitment experience and then thought, I'm going to open my own recruitment company. (laughs) I like that. I like that a lot. And what is it? Because obviously my background's recruitment as well. What is it that you loved about recruitment back then? 
I think, and, and, and still it's something I love. It's that you have, you have two customers and you really truly do make such a difference in people's lives. I mean, I have people that I'm still good friends with that I placed 20 years ago in Switzerland who still live here and got married and have children. And so I think that's what I really loved about it is you're, you're solving problems for your clients and you're changing people's lives who are also your clients, your customers. Um, and that, just that I really loved. And I'm a people person and I love the fact that you had to work in a team and a team that functioned really well to be successful. This is not a job you can do just stuck behind your computer. So, yeah. Absolutely true. So um, you had a year's experience. You started <laughs> the business with somebody else. How long did it take before you uh, had your own first member of staff? Oh, not long at all. Not long at all. We, we, we went in, we had to earn money very quickly because we couldn't get any financing. So we were both good. So we went after what's the quickest way to get some cash in the bank so we could start to finance contracting. Um, which we knew is, is where we wanted to go in the business. So we did as many permanent placements as possible and worked with a little Excel spreadsheet. Um, and so we knew very quickly what we were good at. And I knew that to be successful running the business, and I was the, pretty much the CEO from day one, mm -hmm. I had to focus on my strengths. Well, admin, um, dealing with anything that had to do with you know, the authorities and everything, I would prefer to work harder and pay for someone to do that. So that's what I did. So we actually hired our first two employees within nine months. Wow. Wow. Yeah, straight that's away. Crazy. And that was the office manager who became a partner and a COO and is my lifelong friend. And also our first um, recruit, recruiter who actually worked in the UK because we had worked with her before. Yeah, she was great. She was remote working before it was fashionable. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. I love yeah. that. So this, the stages of growth, where, how long then was it before you thought, oh, right, okay, you know, I'm running, I'm, not, I'm no longer a startup. When was that next phase of growth? 2000, so 2001 is when we started. We had the dot-com the dot bust. So right away we hit our first kind of recession and we were, it, our specialties were life sciences and IT. So we felt that a bit for the IT for sure. But we, by 2004, we had more than doubled, actually by 2003, we more than doubled the size of the business. We now had six employees. Um, and so I really started to feel it around 2004, 2005. I thought, okay, I've got to look at how we are going to run this business um, in the way that it needs to run to actually deliver the goals that we had set. And for me, it was never about lifestyle. It was always about building a business that eventually we could exit. That's really interesting. Was that from day one for you? For me, for sure. <laughs> we had maybe some conflicts with my other partner about that, but no, no, for me from day one. And it's not that I had an exact time I wanted to exit. I just knew that if I was going to do this, I didn't want to think about, well, I'm still going to be necessarily doing exactly that role in 30 years. I mean, for me, there was definitely a timeline because I knew there were other things I wanted to do. I wanted to create opportunities for other people in the business. So I had to run it and you do run things differently when it's a pure lifestyle. And when you think I've, this is this is the goal of where I want to get to, which was quite sizable. 
yeah you do run things very differently mm -hmm. think very differently about it are there any particular examples nuances to help our listeners understand those differences because I think people get stuck on this I think yeah I think what I was able to do without realizing the time is I understood that my role was about not having everything about me mm -hmm. and not having everything in my head but to really build in a structure but also to create um an understanding and we did long before people were doing you know the size of our business a lot of companies weren't doing this at that time I immediately started to build in clarity around this is our purpose as a business these are our values as a business and that didn't just come from me I did that with my team obviously um, because I, I think that if you just run it and you're the one that everybody's coming to, and you're the problem solver, and you're the firefighter, you're going to hit a blockade. You're not going to be able to really catapult that growth in the same way. So I educated myself. I went to Cranfield very early on um, to understand how to really build a small business. Um, that was a great um, experience. I read like crazy. I mean, I have a huge library um, to understand um, you know, what is it going to take to take that business where it needs to go? And the one that stuck with me the most was good to great. Mm, yeah, absolutely. that was from this day that that one really stuck with me of how or stuck with me of how important it was that we built that that the personality of the business, right? Who were we and how are we going to stand out in what is a rather crowded field? It's difficult in the recruitment business to say, here's our USP. I mean, that's, that's the challenge in a service business. Um, and many of the books always talk about, you know, the sexy tech companies. Well, how do you create that in what is can appear to not be such a sexy business? Absolutely. So what yeah, you've talked about customer service, and I know we've discussed this before. How did you create that customer service focus in recruitment? Because a lot of criticism about the recruitment sector is that they don't give a damn about the customers. Yeah, so I think what I did very early on when we did define very clearly what our purpose and our vision and our values were, that was obviously very focused around the customer and who we wanted to be. And I and through that created one, it made all the hiring decisions. There wasn't anyone who didn't believe that at their core. Right. That, that I would hire, that was number one. Number two, everything that we could, the way we came across the customer, the way that we set up our sales training program, it was all about, you know, don't overpromise, over deliver. And we just embedded that very early on. Um, listen to your customer, what problems are you solving? What pain points, but not in just a traditional salesy way, like really what's happening with them and how can we solve, including saying sometimes we couldn't. And sometimes we just had to say, you know what, we've done everything that we can and we can't really deliver on this, but we want to stay close to you. And in the future, we hope we can. So that honesty um, was was really important in our business. Sometimes transparency and honesty in the recruitment isn't always there. No. The other thing I did when I look back on is I every employee who joined because now, now we were getting to be 25, 30 employees and everyone that joined the business 
from day I, I interviewed everybody as a sort of a final and from day one their very first day they sat with me and we spent an hour and a half just about who the company was what we expected from them what they could expect from us how important our values were to the business the culture of the business and I felt that needed to come from me it wasn't to because if it came from me they would they would take it far more seriously than just if it came from their team leader. So that was something I think I did to embed in that customer centric um, philosophy of the company. I think that's a really wise investment. Mm. And some people would say, you know, that's an hour and a half of the CEO's time. That's quite an expensive chunk of time for a new start. But actually, and, and I think you're proof of this, that that pays off long term. <laughs> Yeah, and I know a lot of your team stayed with you for a long time, didn't they? A long time. They're still there. I'm very <laughs> proud to say many of them are still there. So, yeah, they did stay a long time. And it's a very competitive business. And, you know, they didn't leave just because someone offered them, you know, 500 francs more a month. Or And I never negotiated on salary. And the, the I shouldn't say never. The couple of times that I did was a mistake. And when I, I mean negotiate when I was hiring someone and they said, well, this company's offering me this. And I thought, no, I'm not going to do that because you, you'll you be the first person to leave as soon as someone offers you a little bit more money. Absolutely true. They, they have to want to join you. They That's really right. Do. Yeah, definitely. Right. And value what you value too. hundred percent. It, it's 100%. tempting because I don't know what it's like in Switzerland, but at the moment in the UK, there's a shortage of staff in certain <laughs> sectors um and and people are I think very tempted just to take anybody isn't it 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 bites you really and we've all done it I mean whether you're running your own business or you are in a hiring position for another company we've all done it we've we've either uh, not listened to our guts um, stars in our eyes because maybe in a, in a situation with a sales consultant you think they're going to bring over these clients and you just think you can make it work even though you know the culture is not quite right and every time I've done it it was a mistake even if it made me a little bit of money the problem was the trust and confidence from the other team members who thought why did you do this and why if this is our values are you bringing in people who don't who who aren't representing or don't believe in those values so that that's the mistake is the credibility as the leader if you do that with your other people it's not just that bad hire yeah absolutely right so what were the really hairy scary moments as you were growing this business I think the two biggest, well, there's no, if I think what, when I, it was 2007, so it's before the crash and it was a, one of our key employees and it was a good example. He was our first hire as a consultant, absolutely amazing. Like one of the best consultants I've ever seen. He made a lot of money. He made us a lot of money. He really helped set the culture of the business. Amazing. But it was a misalignment in what he wanted for his future and the way we wanted to grow the business. And there was a lot of resistance and animosity that came. And emotionally, that was very difficult, that breakup, because I had to, it made me question, am I going down the wrong path? Have my values changed? Because that's what happened with this particular um, consultant. So emotionally, that was, it didn't hugely impact the business in a negative way but emotionally for me as a as a leader it was I think of course the next one was 
really 2008, we all know, <laughs> and everyone put the brakes on and everybody wanted cuts in there in the, you know, the, the cost of the contractors and there were layoffs and oh, it was unbelievable, unbelievable. So I did a lot of yoga and meditation <laughs> and <laughs> to get through it. <laughs> Oh, and then the third one would definitely, we, su we survived that because I did a creative thing before in recognizing, again, problems with the client. And um, I started to offer a service business. And that, because it came from a different budget, mm -hmm. when headcounts were slashed, my service business wasn't. So we were able to remain profitable and still grow even through those times. Um, and then through that we also had because now the company needed to shift that was when my partner and I we decided to split and I bought um, I bought her out and gave more ownership to my COO but again that's always emotional it was the right thing for her and for us because she also wanted to do different things um, but it was very obviously very difficult to go through that um, in the end it's it's all worked out but it was difficult yeah, that's hard. Definitely. What was the service business you set up? Well, I said, so one of my clients in particular, that was at the time around 2006 and seven, at least in Switzerland, uh, they companies started to think, well, we need to not have individual contractors. What we really want to do is we want to outsource. But what I saw was, well, you're not outsourcing, you're insourcing mm -hmm. and you're basically bringing in bodies if you don't want to talk about body leasing in exactly the same way. And actually the costs in, in many cases weren't less. The frustration with the customer is, well, we're not getting cultural alignment. We actually need people with more experience in that and we're not getting the cultural alignment. So I was able to give them both. So they were able to get the service that they wanted, the service agreement. I had to take on more accountability and responsibility for delivery but they could also get the people that they wanted and they could get the relationship that they had where I already knew them for eight years. So we did as a business. So that was what I did. And it, yeah, it worked out really well. Oh, that's clever. Yeah. yeah it's it's totally different. It's all about where's the money, CapEx and OPEX. Yeah. And I just figured out, okay, where's the money? <laughs> you know, it's my favorite phrase, follow the money. Every yeah, time. follow the there's, money. There's no point in doing other. I was talking to a guy the other week and he said, oh yeah, I'm going to work with startups. And I said, why? They've got no money. Yeah. You, you know, you won't earn anything. That's right. They can't give you anything with the best will in the world. Yeah, sure. Do some freebies, definitely, whilst you're earning money elsewhere. But get the money in first and then you can help. Yeah, I think someone asked me and I said, you know, it's so easy because at that time, you know, we had 300 contractors out. We had, you know, good perm business. I had probably because that was a couple of years before we opened our business in the UK and we had we were opening in Sofia in Bulgaria. And it's just so easy to become internal. And the reason I was able to spot that opportunity is and is that I at that time, thankfully, I was very, very external with the customer. And I think you can you have to be careful because if you ever aren't right there listening to the customer, um, then how are you going to pivot your business? Because you're not going to really understand what their pain points are, um, which are typically coming from above them. Yeah. So I think that's key, too, is make sure no matter how big your organization gets as a CEO, you need to be 
meeting your clients, listening to them, um, even if you're obviously not directly responsible for them. Yeah, absolutely true. And, and, and I actually think the bigger the organization, the more important that is, because you're so far removed. Right. That, you, you know, you've lost touch with them. And from a business you maybe set up 20, 25 years ago, and things have changed quite a lot since then. Right, right. There's no substitute for talking to people and finding out actually what's going on, is that? Including making sure you're you're with your the people in your business. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you think about it, if a, if a CEO, once they had reached that level in, their, in the size of their company, if they're spending 80% of their time, you know, really just listening to people and talking to their clients and thinking about where they're going to take the business in the future. I mean, that's the kind of stuff they should be doing. Obviously, working, the, the key hire I had was my CFO. Like I hired a finance person within year four, actually year three. Um, and that was a critical hire because, again, not my core strength. Um, and so the CEO should be working very closely with the CFO, but they should be the face of the business. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. OK, so from day one, you were thinking about exit. Mm -hmm. As you got closer to thinking, you know, the exits on the horizon, mm -hmm. what stage did that happen? And how did you start preparing? It happened. I, I never picked an exact time. What I did say is the day I think I'm no longer as passionate, perhaps, and I was still passionate, don't misunderstand, but that's, that's when I need to start thinking, you know, is this still, am I still the right person to be driving this business? Um, that was something I thought about. The second was, I believe because it's about growth. And if I didn't feel that I, whatever we were capable of doing would get us the growth that we needed. And third, I would never have sold the business if it was not already on a three, four year high. Yeah. So that was the other thing too, is the timing had to be right, that the business what hadn't suffered at all, but had clearly had still hit a good growth. That was important to make sure that the multiple was good. So the main reason that I decided to consider was I looked at opportunities for organic growth and the two opportunities were either try to do it ourselves and the honesty there, and that meant about going into other countries. I didn't feel I had the right leader to do it. Okay. So succession planning, I probably didn't do a good enough job there in terms okay. of who could go and open offices for us. And, all, and then I looked at, okay, well, I could work with a, um, a, um, you know, a company would invest in us and to help us grow. And I knew what that would be like. I thought maybe that ship has sailed. <laughs> and I wanted to do other things. I'm still young and there's lots of things I want to do. So when I made that decision, I had been approached for years, obviously, and none of that was right. The companies weren't right. The timing wasn't right. I wasn't motivated. But as I knew I was going to get there, it took about three years of planning. Mm. And the planning, you run your, again, you run your business differently. I kind of described as you run it a little bit with the handbrake on. And what I mean by the handbrake, you have to be careful about the investment. Mm. You know, if you either are investing in your business or you're harvesting to a certain degree. And obviously we weren't taking money out of the business. That's not what I mean by harvesting, but we couldn't, we had to be very careful with the bottom line. Yeah. So we had to think, and that's where I had a brilliant CFO with me as well and the COO. And we had to think, okay, what do we want in terms of a good exit price? 
and we work backwards from there. What does our EBITDA need to be? Let's look at the people we have in the business. Do we have people in the right roles, the right people in the right roles? And in our business, do I have the right clients? Mm -hmm. Because that people were not, they were going to buy the clients that we had. They were going to obviously buy the financials, but I knew, and they would buy the internal people. They wouldn't be buying me. They no. would be buying the people who work for me. So I had to start working on all those things. And it was shaping the business for a really strong exit. And yeah, three years is about right. People say, I'm ready to sell now. And, and you'll ask them, and, and when do you want to sell? Oh, next year. Well, no, you're not going to be able, unless you've been working on it for at least two years. Right, right. You're not going to achieve the value that you think you're going to achieve. And that's why I think, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I, even though I was preparing the business, I was still obviously, you know, getting the right people and I was so motivated. We were doing a lot of, a lot of things, right? We were growing in, incredibly well at that time. I didn't say I have to. I didn't, I had not gotten to the point in the business where I desperately wanted to sell, not at all. And when people asked me, well, were you going to sell? I said, I always said from day one, when I started the company, if the right opportunity comes, I will. Mm -hmm. But I'm not out there searching for that. This company came to us and it was the right fit. It was it was the right, absolutely the right decision. So I was preparing because I knew that you at least want to be in good shape yeah. so that if the right opportunity comes, you don't sell because you're done with the business. You're desperate to get out. You're having a tough time because then you're not going to get the best price for your business. And was it hard to exit? It wasn't hard selling because I was mm -hmm. so excited about the opportunity for my people, yeah. you know, I and I was so, so, I mean, oh my gosh, when I told them, I was, I've never had a more, I was never been more nervous in my life yeah. to give this speech to all of my employees and the new owners were downstairs in the cafe and it was incredible, but I was so, my heart just burst because people were so incredibly committed. They were sad, but they trusted us and said, all right, we're going to give this a go. And of course, I made sure people got the financial benefits and so on. So the selling wasn't hard. I saw opportunities for me to do different things and for other people in the company. We did sell to the biggest private staffing company in the world. Wow. So it was the opportunity I, for them was, was incredible. I think when I, when I did exit three years later, I don't think I had clarity enough about what I wanted to do. And I think that was the difficult. And that's what I would say to people too. Are you really clear if you do want to keep working or and working, whatever working means to you, but if you do have clarity around that, because it's quite emotional when something's been your entire world. I mean, I'm a mom, so obviously my, my kids are the most important, but it, it owns you, your business owns you. So you need to be prepared for that emotional shift if all of a sudden it's not there. And I went from that's my world and my identity to, uh-oh, <laughs> it's not there anymore. <laughs> so that was the difficult part. Yeah, that was challenging, if I'm honest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think that's a great story and that's a great sense of how having that clarity of vision steers you in the right direction because it's a series of tiny little decisions as you build your right. business 
that yeah. culminate in that what sounds like a great exit for you, your team, the company who bought you. You know, if you wanted to design an exit, you would design it like that, wouldn't you? It was actually. It was incredibly smooth. We didn't lose key employees, and you know, not any that we wanted to keep. It was. I'm I'm really proud of that. And I was lucky to have someone that the the my my manager, I guess at the time, you know, he had been through it himself. So that so he was it was a very gracious kind of transition to this company. And I, you know, if I go back and I look, and that's one reason I, I started looking at, you know, joining Tricrest and being a consultant and a coach is I definitely probably, I would have made even better decisions. I, ha- I had worked with one coach and that helped me so much. I wish I had continued that a little bit longer right. because I just feel that I probably would have made some better decisions earlier on. And although I'm very pleased with what we sold the company for and where the company is, if I look back, yeah. And I thought, well, if I can take my experience and also my strengths as a person and as a leader, and if I can help others achieve their goals and maybe even achieve more than they thought, that's now become my purpose. <laughs> but it took a while to figure that out, but that's now why I'm with Trigress. <laughs> hey, brilliant. And, and we are delighted to have you, absolutely delighted. And uh, you, you've won your first client, haven't you? Yes, <laughs> very excited, very excited. And actually this person's on a journey of transforming their business and trying to decide how big they want to grow it. So I'm, I'm very excited about uh, helping them you know, in any way that I can make those decisions and to plan it well. Yeah, really excited. What a great story. What a great journey. And and you've still got so much more to give, Jenny, so much more experience and expertise and knowledge. Um, And I know one of your key passions is is the culture, the succession, the values piece. Yeah. Um, Absolutely is. It was transformative for my business and it really is. And people think they have it because they have it in their head, <laughs> but it's not the same. You got to gotta get it out there. No, you, you do. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you, That's Rebecca. Been a delight and I shall see you soon. Okay. Bye. Thank you for listening to our Entrepreneurial Journey podcast. You can find us at tricrest.com and you can find Fuel My Business there too. Answer the 12 questions in less than 60 seconds and find out exactly what's happening in your business. And then even better, learn how to fix it. Did you know you can access our Tricrest partners through Fuel My Business too? Just upgrade your subscription and you can get access to them in a group coaching session once a month or even one-to-one. Enjoy.